This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Subway to Shea podcast, Anthony Rivera, here with you, talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets, episode 98 from the Subway to Shea studio in my office. Thank you all for joining and listening into the show today. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jay Horowitz on the last episode. He's had so many great stories to tell, and I hope to have him on again to discuss his book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. Huge thanks to Jay for giving me some of his time and to his team for setting this up. Now, on to this week's episode, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about because Met fans, baseball is back, baby. That's right, baseball's back. Mets spring training is here. Full workouts have officially begun. Players, coaches, and staff are all at the complex in Port St. Lucie, including Steve Cohen and Billy Epler. They spoke with the media along with Mets manager Buck Showalter, and we're going to break down, summarize some of the biggest comments to come out of their media scrum, and we will start at the top with the boss. Steve Cohen meeting the media. He had talk about his commitment to the fans, as well as not accepting mediocrity well. And if he's going to go all in, he's going to go all the way. And that talking about how he's building this team. He says it's the best vibe he has felt since becoming an owner. This whole championship or bust mentality kind of brought upon himself when he talked about that three to five year window. Kind of back down a little bit, you think, when he talked to the media? Or do you feel like he was being more realistic? I think he was being more realistic. Obviously, when he first made his press conference, excited, excited to become the owner of the Mets, exciting, because he's a Mets fan. So he put up the three to five year window. Now, being a little more realistic, obviously he sets high goals for the team and he wants to try to achieve them. One thing that's come out of this last couple of weeks is this criticism about him following the rules that owners have set. And he said that owners talking to him, telling him he's 100% right and he's following the rules, which he is. If anything, it feels like there's collusion between the owners on how they treat him and the Mets team. You know, when you measure his success as an owner, he talked about wanting to win a World Series, but also wants to build a farm system for sustainability and winning year in and year out. And we're going to get back to that quote when we talk about what Billy Epler said a little later on, because that quote's important. He wants to win a World Series, but also wants to build a farm system for sustainability and winning year in and year out. And to me, what I got from that is he's spending now, keeping the prospects and drafting so in the future, he doesn't have to spend big to fix problems that the Wilpons have brought upon him and have ruined this team and their minor league system for so long. You remember, 2018, 2019, 2020, they raided the farm system to try to get that last chance win before they sold the team. So now, Steve has to fix it. 
How is he doing that? Signing free agents, not to long-term deals, but short-term deals. The AAV is up there. The contract is high, but short-term deals, not more than four years. I know there was a couple of players that he's considering core, like Lindor, like Nimmo. Those guys are going to get the big deals. And I assume that Pete's going to get one too. But a lot of them have been three to four-year deals, opt-outs. He's doing everything the right way. And the owners, they may be mad at him. MLB may be forming this financial committee, something that they'll probably bring to the table once the collective bargaining agreement has to be redone again. But let's be real. Other teams are not spending. Baltimore Orioles, Pittsburgh Pirates, Oakland A's. The Baltimore Orioles almost made the playoffs last season. They had a great run. We know the Pirates where they're at. They got a lot of good prospects. And then once it's time to sign them, they're going to trade them away. And they're going to keep doing this prospect, you know, rejuvenation, this cycle. Oakland, we know what Oakland's about. If you don't, watch Moneyball, and you'll see how they work. Baseball doesn't need to punish teams for spending. There needs to be a salary floor. And I'm not saying that because I'm just a homer of the Mets. There needs to be a salary floor, whether it's 100 mil, 150 mil. These owners need to spend on their teams. The Orioles barely did anything. I don't even know if they signed anyone or the Pirates. The A's biggest signing to what my knowledge was, was Trevor May, a reliever. No offense to him. Go get your bag. But Trevor May, a reliever, that's the most you're going to spend? And let's not act like Steve Cohen is getting away scot-free here. He's not. He has to pay the tax. He's going to be paying a tax for spending the money that he spent for going over the luxury tax line. Who's getting that money? The Baltimore Orioles the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the A's. And whichever other team is doing this small market crap. Heck, Steve needs to overspend more than other teams. And so do the Yankees. So does Steinbrenner and the Yankees. You know why? They have to overspend since the players' desire to come here hinges a lot on paying state taxes. Where in other states, they don't have these crazy state taxes like New York and New Jersey does. And Connecticut. So would you rather, if two teams are coming with you at a contract, same amount, are you going to go to New York or are you going to go to someplace like Miami? Look at what happens in other sports. Look at LeBron James. The Knicks were trying to get LeBron James. If they're going to give the same or close to the same amount as the Miami Heat were and the taxes are better in Miami, why would you come here? You're going to have to spend a lot more money. Same as in other sports. I know the state tax is not a baseball thing, but... On top of fixing this and making a salary floor, they need to figure out a way that evens that out so that Steve Cohen doesn't have to overspend to get a player here because the players care about money as well as they should. I could go on and on about this whole situation. And it does feel like these owners are on some sort of collusionary measure against Steve Cohen. Just watch at the trade deadline what they're asking for from the Mets. But let's move on. Because Steve talked about the importance of the fans, how he loves engaging and interacting with the fans, whether it's meeting them at the ballpark, taking pictures with them. Her, him and Alex Cohen, his wife, they meet fans at the stands, uh, usually the upper deck, bring them down to front row, give them other tickets. They do a better job than the other owners do, definitely more than the Wilpons have ever done. When it comes to fan interaction, I don't remember the Wilpons doing anything. I think they barely did press conferences. Maybe we've seen them at the end of the season for a, you know, State of the Union or State of the Mets address at the end of the season. I don't remember seeing the Wilpons talk as much as Steve Cohen has done or have done as much as Steve Cohen has done with the fans and interacting. 
On top of that, Cohen has a great relationship. Both uh, Steve and Alex have great relationship with the players. He cares about his people. And owners are complaining about that too. Others saying that he should do it differently and shouldn't get close to the players. And then he had to go back at it and say he's going to do things his way. He likes having a personal touch. And his wife feels the same way. Do things your way, Steve. Don't listen to these old curmudgeon owners, out of touch owners. Do things your way. Be different. Because baseball, we all know, needs a change. And these owners don't help at all. Everyone's stuck in the old time days. Time to move on. Time to bring baseball into this century. Final note on Cohen. Um, he mentioned that Sandy Alderson is no longer the team president. He is transitioning into an advisory role. We know that Sandy came back after being general manager of the Mets. He came back to help Steve kind of seal the deal in becoming the owner of the New York Mets because, as we know, and we've talked about the other owners, they didn't want Steve. And Sandy, who's respected by a lot of people in Major League Baseball, helped make that happen, helped Steve become owner of the New York Mets. Steve mentioned that there may not even be a team president all year. He's going to be more involved in day-to-day operations. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, we'll see. Pretty sure it's more on the money side of things. They mentioned that the team president is not going to be all baseball operations. I feel like Billy Epler has that on lock right now. Even in the last podcast episode, we mentioned Bryn Alderson. He also is gone from the organization. So both Aldersons are gone. If you were worried about them meddling or them being the... Guys behind the curtain of all the moves the Mets were making, they're not. It's over. Uh, Billy Epler met with the media, and we talked about a quote that Steve said we were going to bring it back, right? We're going to talk about it again. Remember, wants to win a World Series, but also wants to build a farm system for sustainability and winning year in and year out. Billy Epler said, kind of in the same length, in a different terminology, having to take a knee on some trades that are only going to yield short-term gain. This Mets front office is looking at the long run. So when it comes time for the trade deadline, I know last year was very frustrating because they didn't make any moves, barely. They, well, they, they got Darren Ruff. They got Daniel Vogel back earlier on, a couple, maybe like a week before. But they got Darren Ruff. That was pretty much it at the trade deadline. And then and, and Micah Givens. Following the trade deadline, Billy Epler went on and said that he was not going to trade anyone in his top 20 prospects. Now, obviously, he wasn't going to tell the strategy and give that away. He wanted to see what people were going to offer him. But it makes sense. If he's not going to trade any of the top 20 prospects, he's not going to get anything. Remember, the Mets, who now signed David Robertson, they were going to try to trade for him, but they were going to have to give up a big-time prospect. And the Mets weren't going to do that right now. They want to still build this farm system, which was depleted by previous ownership. I wouldn't even expect the Mets to trade for a Shohei Itani or Manny Machado after hearing this. We all know Manny Machado is going to free agency. So unless him and Shohei Itani, who we don't know his intentions yet, or at least I don't, so maybe someone could fill me in. I don't follow the Angels and what they're doing. If those guys aren't doing a sign and trade, they're not coming here midseason. These Mets prospects are going to have plenty of time to prove themselves, especially during the spring. There's going to be a lot more opportunities to play due to the WBC. Epler mentioned he's got a clear vision and the organization has a clear vision right now of what they want to see out of Francisco Alvarez. And that is they want him to catch and not to be just a DH. He said there may be hypothetically 
circumstances preventing that from happening. Things might change, but as of right now, they want Alvarez to catch. And after hearing that, my thoughts are that I don't think Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, and Mark Vientos are going to come up with the Major League roster out of spring training. Francisco Alvarez has the hardest path of them all. Obviously, the Mets have Tomas Nito and Omar Nevarez, and they're going to do their best to help him out this spring. But unless Francisco Alvarez has a spring like Pete Alonso did in 2019, or unless there's an injury, he's going to AAA to catch. And he'll catch Tyler McGill, he'll catch David Peterson, and he'll learn. He'll get better. Because when you come up here, it's a different animal catching Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Entirely different animal. So I see him starting off in AAA. Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos are in a little different situation. They're a lot closer. Their obstacles are a lot different. So I can see them making the roster. I can see them at some point coming up north to Queens and being with the Mets. But I don't think it's going to be out the bat. Unless Darren Ruff has a tough spring. And we're going to get to that because... Buck Showalter, during his presser, he talked about how impressed he was with Mark Vientos. He actually impressed Buck the most out of the prospects. He's going to get time at first base with Pete Alonso at the WBC. Buck also told us that Darren Ruff has been dealing with a wrist injury. Got arthritis. He had a cortisone shot. Ruff saying that this injury has been bothering him for a few years, over the last few years. We did see him work out at first base, only defensively, and he won't start hitting for the next few days. So, man, if Ruff's going to make this team, he's really going to have to show out. Talked about him and his performance suffering last season. Ruff said, you know, midseason trades are tough on anybody. So he had a hard time transitioning to New York once he got traded from San Francisco. If he's going to make this roster, he's going to have to get over that. Otherwise, you know, Mark Fientos may be the right-handed compliment to Daniel Vogelback. That's what a lot of Met fans wanted to see at the trade deadline before they brought in Ruff. They didn't get to see it. And they did bring up Vientos due to injuries, but he wasn't really getting so much playing time. So he does have an opportunity to make this roster. Brett Beatty obviously is kind of blocked with Eduardo Escobar, unless you move Eduardo Escobar to DH. But I, I don't see that happening right off the bat. And we'll get more into the roster construction a little later on in the show. But, you know, we're talking about injuries, Darren Ruff's injury. Uh, Buck even brought up, how about Starling Marte? Had surgery to repair tendons on his groin. It bothered him for most of 2022, and we saw that, right? He had to take a few days off. His legs got tired. He was dealing with this injury all year, and that's aside from him getting hit in the hand and losing him for all of September. Guy toughed it out. So it's going to take a little while for him to ramp up, Buck mentioned, but he should be ready for opening day. We'll see. I doubt he plays in so many spring training games. They're going to take it real slow with him. Maybe he'll get in the last week of games, if if lucky, the last two weeks, but I, I, could, I, I could see him not playing as much during the spring. How about Francisco Lindor at a, having an appendectomy a few days after the wildcard series? He even said that he would have played in the National League Division Series if the Mets would have made it. A day or two later, played 161 games. Tough guys, man, playing through these injuries. Got to have respect for these two and all the players on the Mets. 
finish out what Buck had talked about it. He mentioned in order to have something to finish, you have to figure out a way to start it. We are more interested in that part right now, hoping we have a chance to have something finished. For the Mets to make the playoffs, they have to have a good start, a good middle, and hopefully a good end, right? We all know that in the last couple of years, their Septembers have not gone well, and they kind of faded. Their stamina had faded, the team had faded, and you know the Mets are going to have to guide themselves through this. And Buck is going to keep them healthy. They have a good lineup. They have depth in pitching. The outfield, not so much. So you always have to worry about that. But the Mets have depth to get through a full season. Whether they win the division, make it as a wild card, whether they win 100 games or 86 games, make the playoffs. He said it's all about the end game, and that is winning the World Series. The end game is to win the World Series, and the roster at the beginning might not be the roster at the end. I wanted to take a look at where this roster could head as spring training gets underway, kind of predict what this team could look like on opening day. Honestly, you know, most of the spots are already filled, definitely position-wise. It will be more about the bullpen and how that is put together. And even there, there is only a few spots available, which comes down to who has or doesn't have options. So I'm going to look into the bullpen next week. I want to do a little more research on that and we'll get into it in next week's episode. But with the rest of the roster, right? You can have 26-man roster and you can only have 13 pitchers. So let's look at the roster and break it down. Omar Nevarez and Tomas Nito are going to be the catchers. Infield, Pete Alonso, Eduardo Escobar, Luis Guillorme, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil. Then in the outfield, Mark Canna, Starling Marte, Brandon Nimmo, Tommy Pham, your DHs, Daniel Vogelback and Darren Ruff. All right, because he's going to get every opportunity and he plays decently, he's going to be on the team. So that's 13 position players. So you're going to have 13 pitchers now. The starters, Carlos Carrasco, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Jose Quintana, Kodai Senga. And let's go, oh, we're going to go over this again next week when we do the bullpen. But the bullpen that we know is definitely going to have Edwin Diaz, Brooks Raley, Adam Adovino, David Robertson. Now, I'm not going to count Drew Smith just yet, but he's probably going to be a lock, right? And then you got to think, there's a couple other relievers, right? You got to think who's going to be the long man with Trevor Williams out. So you have 10, 11, 12, 13. Four spots available in the bullpen. I want to dive into that next week because I want to do research on who has option and who doesn't have options. So we'll revisit the roster predictions as games get underway, but for now, and uh, before this train leaves the station, a few more notes. Carlos Beltran's role has been talked about. Anthony DeCobo of MLB.com talked with Billy Epler, saying that he could take on a scouting role as well as be an on-field instructor. Billy Epler's quoted saying, a large portion of his role is going to support the development side. So we can see him working with the major league team. Maybe he'll go check out the minor league teams, help out there. And I'm pretty sure he will help out, you know, when it comes to signing players. We talked about it last week. Maybe he'll be Billy's right-hand man when it comes to being that player portion of talking to players to bring them in 
during free agency. Obviously, Billy is the businessman, but it's always good to have the player's touch. We all know that Beltran is beloved by fellow players. We've seen it with Francisco Lindor and Edwin Diaz. So I wouldn't doubt he would not be not helpful in that situation. Keith Hernandez has signed with SNY. It was first announced by Boomer Esiason on WFAN's morning show, a three-year deal. He will be in the booth with Gary Cohen and Ron Darling for their 18th season together. This season, being their 18th, will overtake the original booth of Lindsey Nelson, Bob Murphy, and Ralph Kiner. They had it at 17 seasons. I didn't know they were the longest-running team. I thought by now there had been others, but they are the longest-running team, and now it's going to be Gary, Keith, and Ron becoming the longest-tenured broadcast trio in MLB history. So great to have Keith Hernandez back for another three years. On a sad note, Tim McCarver passed away at 81 years old, career 271 batting average, 97 home runs, 645 RBIs, two-time world champion, two-time all-star, a 21-year playing career spanning through the Cardinals, Phillies, Expos, and Boston Red Sox. You talk about his broadcasting career. He was an analyst, play-by-play man from 1980 to 2019 with the New York Mets. He was with them through their 86 World Championship, right? He was with the Mets from 1983 to 1998, and that's where I got my introduction to him. 1998, my first time watching Mets baseball. It was his last year. I remember him on UPN 9 or whatever Channel 9 was at the time. I know it was Channel 9, that's for sure. Things before they moved to WPIX 11. But that was my only year with Tim McCarver as the Mets broadcaster. A lot of people say he reinvigorated the career of Ralph Kiner. And I remember him all those years on national broadcasts with Joe Buck, calling some of the biggest games in the World Series and playoffs and all-star games, mostly Fox Saturdays. You know, the Mets would play the Yankees. They would play the Braves. Some big games, they called. So... Rest in peace, Tim McCarver, and condolences and thoughts and prayers out to his family and friends. Speaking of broadcasts, as we wrap up this show, got to go into the Mets spring training schedule starting this Saturday, the 25th. The Mets play a split squad going to play the Astros, and then they'll play at home against the Marlins, which I think is going to be on TV. Now, i got to pull up this tweet from Andrew Tridenick from, I think it's NorthJersey.com. He is the Mets beat writer or the Mets beat reporter for North Jersey and the record. And he talked about, he has the whole pitching lineup. Saturday afternoon, Danny Reyes will go against the Astros. Saturday night, Jose Buto. So you'll get to see him. We'll go over the TV schedule as well. Sunday, Max Scherzer on the mound against the Nationals. That says it's a split squad, but I don't see it elsewhere. Maybe that would change. Maybe the split squad is also an intra-squad game, the other one. Monday, David Peterson against the Cardinals in Jupiter. And then the Astros come to Port St. Lucie. It's a Tuesday game. Co- uh, it's going to be Jose Quintana. See, now it says a split squad game. Or maybe maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe Tuesday is Jose Quintana and Kodai Senga in the game against the Astros. So that's possibly how we start off spring training. Now let's look at the TV schedule because it's important if you want to watch these games. SNY has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games. 
as WPIX 11 has one, two, three games, and those are closer to the end of spring. It's going to be the game on Saturday will be at 6 p.m. on SNY. So you get to see that. You'll get to see the Sunday game with Scherzer on the 26th. The Mets are going to play Venezuela for the WBC. They're also playing Atlanta. We mentioned Houston, Washington, Miami. They're going to play Tampa Bay. That's a WPIX game. It's going to be a big time spring. I only see them playing the Yankees. I'm going to have to check here. Do they play the Yankees at all? I felt like they played them during the spring. Let's check here. We're going to go into April. Well, you know, April starts opening day against the Marlins. So, oh, now looking at the schedule here, because this one's not going to be on TV, they're also going to play Nicaragua on Wednesday the 8th, Venezuela on the 9th. But I don't think the game against Nicaragua is going to be on TV. Yeah, I don't see the Yankees here. They play the Cardinals, the Astros, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Marlins, and the Nationals, and, and the Braves. That's pretty much it. And then we head to the Marlins' home opener, which is March 30th in Miami. So get ready for that. And uh, we're pretty much going to wrap up the show here. You can follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Subway to Shave. If you checked out my Instagram and TikTok, I posted a clip from the Jay Horowitz interview. You can check that out there. You can listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Cast. Turn on your notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to the podcast, thanks for joining, and I hope you consider subscribing on any of these platforms I just mentioned. Also, make sure to tell your fellow Met fans to check out the podcast and subscribe as well. If you've been a supporter this whole time, I can't thank you enough. This show wouldn't be where it is without you and because of you. Subway to Shea's Global. This podcast is not this podcast is not only played in the US, but also has reaches across the globe. So no matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. You can do that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, rating the show from one to five stars. Hopefully you're giving me five stars. And on Apple Podcasts, you can leave comments in the reviews section. Helps me to make this podcast better each and every week. Don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan side and network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode. I wrote an article on two reasons why the Mets will win the division and one reason why they won't. That will be in this description and you can check it out, read it, let me know what you think, if you agree or disagree with my thoughts make sure to follow rising apple on twitter at rising apple blog and the fan sided network at fan sided quick thank you last week to till mets do his part podcast john sapanero and matt ab ibanez for having me on their show it was a great show i've had posted that on as well you can catch the links to see that show as well as mets weekly with frank about sports carson as well as Andrew Acevedo, you can check out their show as well. I posted that on Twitter. So I was a part of a couple podcasts. I love the content creation family, this content creator verse that we've made working with each other, creating great Mets content. A lot of fun. You can check it out. And I'm pretty sure I will have them on my shows as well. Again, you've listened to John Sapinero and Matt A.B. Ibanez on my show plenty of times. So it's going to be fun. We're going to have them on again. We're going to have more content creators, more guest co-hosts, more guests 
coming your way. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't forget, listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Always remember those three big words. Let's go Mets. <laughs>